When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. It's Shep Hyken here. We're back with another episode of Amazing Business Radio. Very excited today because from the other side of the pond, as they say, all the way from the UK, uh, we have Ian Johnston, the founder and creative director for Quinnon. Now, what is Quinnon? Quinnon is a strategic design consultancy. Basically, what they do are design experiences, design, uh, I guess, stores, design, all kinds of things related to the customer experience. Now, even though the focus is on retail in his business, that doesn't mean you shouldn't be thinking about this for any type of business, B2C, B2B, it doesn't matter. We'll get to him in just a moment, but before we do that, a couple of quick announcements. And if you've heard the show, you know what they are. If you've got an amazing story or a question, please reach out to me on any of the social media channels because I am everywhere. And all you need to do if it's a question is use the hashtag AskShep. And I will answer the question there. I'll do it in my newsletter. I might do it on the show or on my TV show, which is be amazing or go home. And that can be found on Amazon Prime, Roku. And you can actually go to beamazing.tv. That's beamazing.tv. And you can catch episodes there. All right. Ian Johnston, founder and creative director of Quinnin. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Shep. Real pleasure. So did I describe what you do well. I mean, you're a strategic design consultancy. You work on innovation and all kinds of interesting ideas related to design of a retail experience. However, this is my take on this. When At first, when I thought about having you as a guest, I'll be honest with that. Nah, he's just in retail. But then I realized everybody, and that includes B2B purchasing agents, when they are dealing with a vendor, ideally a partner who is also a vendor, uh, they're, they're probably um, comparing that experience to a retail experience with their favorite company that they do business with. Would you agree? Uh, absolutely. I mean, Shep, what, what we really do is we use our expertise in design thinking and design making, right, to help brands engage with consumers, right? Where, wherever they are, right? It's about using the retail, uh, the physical retail experience to build relationships with your customers, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's really about helping um, customers, uh, uh, sorry, brands look at their um, their 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 physical retail about identifying opportunities, looking at problems differently, asking the right questions, and helping them sort of piece it all back together. It's very much about breaking things down and building them back up again in the right way. Right. So, I mean, that applies to just about any business in the world, uh, any type of industry. Uh, by the way, even the government. If you're listening, and I hope you are, please. 
pay attention to what Ian has to say. All right, let's talk about this value gap. This is something mm-hmm. that's really important to you. It's, it's, as you say, the magic formula to create long-lasting relationships with customers. What is the value gap? Okay, so the value gap is this feeling you get, Shep, when um, you get more than you pay for, or the you you kind of feel that you get more. You feel like you've robbed the bank, right? And that's that kind of emotional state, right? And um, that customers have, and um, it sort of it sort of came from this idea around smart shopping. And one of our clients came to us and said, look, we're repositioning ourselves um, from a value brand to a smart shopping brand, right? A smart shopper. That's our segmentation, right? And they asked us if our store environment actually uh, laddered up to that new expectations, right? And so the classic thing we always do is we, we take a few steps back, we unpack the question to begin with, right? And we started to think, well, the smart shopper, right? That's not a segmentation. We're, we're all smart shoppers, right? We all want value. We all seek value, right? Whether I'm buying shampoo or a Lamborghini, I want the best value I can find, right? And so the smart shopper kind of mentality led us to consider how the, the, the most sort of satisfying customer experience is when I get more value than I pay for, when my expectations are exceeded, right? Um, and so we started to unpack that and understand how we could design that into a retail experience, right? And so it's very much tied to um, the expectations of actual value versus, you know, the unexpected value. And so that's the value gap, the difference between my expectations and exceeding my expectations. And the smart shopper, it sounds like, is one that's taking their past experiences and bringing into what's happening right now and saying, you know, my experience is telling me that this is good value, that this is giving me what I want, maybe even a little bit more than I expected. Yeah, I mean, you know, value is a really interesting um, factor, right, in decision making. And it's always changing, right? It, mm. it, it changes based on. It's also in the eye of the beholder, like beauty. It is absolutely right. And so um, it, it's different for different brands, different sectors. And the, the interesting thing is, is it's it's constantly changing, right? And it's based on my last experience, right? And so you, you absolutely need to maintain uh, value and meet people's expectations all the time. And, and so you have to move with your customers as your customers' expectations of value change, right? And so in order to exceed them, you've got to meet them first, right? And so you really need to be uh, engaging uh, in this idea all the time. It's really for me, the the quintessential thing of customer engagement, because when you create the value gap and someone walks away from experience um, thinking they've got more than they've paid for, right, or more benefits than they've actually paid for, right, that delight, that that moment of delight, that is what actually uh, encourages you to come back, right? And through people coming back is how we build relationships. Through building relationships, we build trust and we build loyalty. And really, that's what all brands should be doing, right? We don't want to be um, rekindling our experiences every time. We want our customers with us for their whole life, right? Lifelong yep. value is what Lifelong we really value. want. We, yeah. have, we have to give them consistent, predictable experiences that they know will happen. So here's my question. Um, I get what you're saying 100%. Um, I, I know that you, you, you can't design 
for every single individual personal need. So what you need to do is create, you know, a, a, the basic. This is where what we need to do to capture the audience that we want or the customers that we want. Uh, this is what they've asked for. So how do you go about finding that out? I, I'm. This is what's swarming in my head. If I go to Walmart, uh, I expect big selection, low prices. They seldom ever let me down. I mean, this is just yeah. what they do, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <clears throat> I go to somewhere like uh, Nordstrom or uh, Neiman Marcus. Uh, and again, I'm using retail examples. Yeah. I don't expect low prices. Yeah, I do yeah, expect yeah. value. And the yeah. value comes in the form of a really high quality product and also an experience that I have a, a, a person that's going to help me do my shopping. Um, and so I'm not even interested as much about the price. It's not so much that I get more than I pay for. Uh, it's that I'm happy with what I pay for. Mm-mm-mm. Is so, that a good way of saying it? Yeah, Boy, it took I me a think, long time to get to that sentence. Yeah, I, I think you can <laughs> even push that and design um, um, exceeding people's expectations, you know, to, to the next level. Right. And so, um, I mean, first it's, it's really important. You identified it, it quite, quite nicely there, you know, different brands and different sectors have customers with different expectations, right. And within each of those brands, they will have a, a varying level of segmentation, right? We do a lot of, of tech and telco, you know, the, the, the cross section is anyone from the ages of eight to 88, right? And so mm-hmm. they've got a huge segmentation in that range, right? And so understanding that each uh, customer profile or each way you segment that will have different aspects of value. Some value price and quality, uh, some value, um, you know, brand virtues or look and feel of a store, right? And so let's take your, your, your was it a Walmart example where yeah. you go into the store, right? And you expect low prices and range, right? And so unless I meet those expectations, I can't exceed them. So first I must deliver on those very, very strongly, right? But what I'm not expecting, right, is great customer experience or great, great customer service. But but at Walmart, I will tell you at Walmart, that's not what they, they will give you a friendly service, but not an over the top level of service. And that's built, they, they don't want that to happen. They can't, they can't keep the prices low. If we started adding people in our aisles to walk around and say, are you finding what you want? Can I help you, et cetera, et cetera it kills the idea of low prices. They can't afford to do it. Okay, but but it's a little bit of a mindset shift, right? And so um, let me walk you through that. So I approach someone in Walmart who's stacking shelves, right? And I ask them, you know, where are where are the diapers, right? Which aisle are the diapers in, right? Now, my expectation is they say in aisle seven, right? Um, but what ha- could happen is they walk me there, right? They walk me to the aisle, right? Mm -hmm. And along the way, they start to educate me about different products and different uh, aspects of diapers. Um, I'm I'm not in the market for diapers, so that's not not something I normally go and shop for. But right off the bat, that person has turned my um, focus, my mission into their focus, right? And that sort of peak level of interest that I'm more more important than mm-hmm. stacking shelves creates the gap, 
right? They've already right. added value to the experience, right? And I'm not saying you need to add more staff to just wander around and, and help people. It's a kind of, on a simple level, staff are great to add the value gap, right? Because it's a mindset, right? Yep. And you, you can get good people with, with the right attitude, smiling, giving you that little extra help. Now, I'm going to push back a little bit on Walmart, yep. Yep. okay? Because I don't think Walmart wants that person stocking the shelves to take five minutes out to go show somebody diapers. That said, I believe that Walmart wants to train their people on how to give that customer what they want, which is to know that diapers are now three aisles over, but they don't necessarily have to do it at a certain level. Now, we talk about another retailer that mm. falls into the exact scenario that you just shared with us, and that's Ace Hardware. I yep. did an entire book called the uh, amaze every customer every time. Yep. And the book wasn't about ACE hardware. It was about, uh, it was really uh, using them as a case study. And one of the things they do is if you ask me for those you know, diapers, they don't sell diapers at ACE. Maybe they do. I don't know. But they would, the person would say aisle seven, let me take you there. And on the way there would say, how old is your baby or yeah. something? Yeah. And what are you using the screw for? Right, right. right. Yeah. By the way, and that's a scenario that I use. I remember going into the Ace Hardware to buy a hinge for a fancy door that I needed to repair. And when I brought the hinge in and I showed them, they're walking me there, asking me about the door, things that I needed to know, and then making suggestions for a different product, even less expensive, that would be even better. I said, I'm coming here all the time. They're my they're my place to go. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, and that's that is the value gap, that unexpected attention to detail that makes me feel like I'm getting more than the price of the hinge, right? Right. right. Um, and, and you say that Walmart doesn't want to create that kind of relationship. But what I think they need to understand is that um, the fact that you and I are talking about your experience at Ace Hardware, right? The value that that has to a business, when I start talking about an experience in store that I have is worth gold, right? right. You don't so have what, those things. Yeah, and, and by the way, I'm not knocking Walmart. Walmart no, no, has, no. is a great model because the Walmart people are very nice. They give friendly service. And, and they're, they're, they're knowledgeable and they've been trained the right way. Mm -mm. And I mean, I know that, um, I, I always used to joke that I had a bad experience at Walmart. I couldn't find anybody to walk the aisle that was walking the aisles that could help me. <clears throat> so I wrote a letter to the CEO. The CEO said, <laughs> well, thank you very much. <clears throat> Appreciate the feedback. And then wrote another letter to, excuse me, <clears throat> something's in my throat this morning. Anyway, wrote another letter to the manager of the store and said, congratulations, you guys are doing a great job. You haven't overstaffed the store. And, and I just, I think that's funny. Hey, I see we have gone quite a while without a break. Let's take a real short break. When we come back, I want to continue this conversation. Uh, I love the, the differences in the companies. Both of them are achieving what they want in their design and that they want the customer to come back they want the customer to be happy with what they expect. It's just different stores or different businesses are going to have different expectations. We are talking with Ian Johnston, the founder and creative director for Quinnen, a design firm. We're learning all about how that design can add value to the customer experience. We're coming right back after this break. Don't go away. Hi, Shep Hyken, your customer service and experience expert. And I'm excited to tell you about my new book, I'll Be Back, How to Get Customers 
to come back again and again. Now, this book is packed with idea after idea on how to, just as the title implies, get your customers to come back. In the book, you'll learn that repeat customers aren't always loyal customers. Now, both are great, but there's a big difference. You'll also learn about 10 reasons a customer may stop doing business with you and three reasons you would stop doing business with them. And one of my favorite lessons is a six-step process for creating an I'll-be-back strategy. Of course, there's much, much more. You'll start getting more of your customers to say, I'll be back almost immediately. Just go to www.I'llBeBackBook.com. Again, that's www.I'llBeBackBook.com. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Ian Johnston, the strategic design superstar. How's that for a title? Wow. It's uh, <laughs> a lot of expectations to live up to, Shep, so I hope All I can right. help. Let's go back to Walmart for a moment. And, and again, I don't think, I think we, we are both talking the same language here. Basically, Walmart's uh, goal is to give you an experience, which their experience is great selection, lower prices, friendly people. They're not being rude to anybody. And they get you to come back, okay? Where a business proposition from a high-end retailer like a Neiman Marcus, Saks Fifth Avenue, or any of the other high-end retailers is completely different. They want to give you the right selection for the type of product that you want. It's not gonna be a wide, huge selection. It's not gonna be a price uh, it, it should be competitively priced, but not necessarily the lowest it's curated price. curated. Yeah. And they want to give you an experience that gets you to come back same as everything. So uh, I guess the point is uh, we were just at the break. You mentioned something about the design of the Walmart store, how it still feels like a discount store when you walk in, let's go with that because I want to share with you a, uh, an, about a, uh, information about an article that I read a couple of years ago, maybe even longer than that about Walmart's design. Perfect. Perfect. Well, so let's just start with this, this idea that uh, in most cases, right, like price and quality range are, are aspects, factors of value that people highlight. Those are, those are the most that are, that are, that rise to the top when you ask people, what, what do they value? Um, We're seeing some other factors come in, um, in this post pandemic world, sustainability, virtues, brand ethos, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. But the thing about price and quality is those are easy to quantify because they have a number, right? It's easy to kind of quantify what value is when when it's attributed to a number. And we talk a lot about some of the more softer aspects of value. And, And one of those is the look and feel of a store, right? What it, what, what, how does it, what are the materials you use? How is the customer journey? How fluid is it? Um, uh, what's the lighting like? What, what is the, what is the experience of being in that space like? And um, which is very difficult to quantify, right? It's not a number that you can, you can actually attribute to it. And so when we talk, and this was the, the original ask was, does our store experience the look and feel aligned to this smart shopper mindset? right? Um, Or this value proposition. And where we started to think about it was, you know, if you meet the expectations of um, price and quality, right, of low price in Walmart's instance, but you put that into an environment, which is maybe not luxury, 
but maybe not value, right? It's probably maybe somewhere in the middle, sort of mass premium, right? And so the lighting isn't fluorescent lighting. The fixtures are made out of different um, materials and it's a much nicer kind of experience, right? That in itself adds value to that experience. And therefore, if I'm still maintaining my price position and I'm getting value in a different way right. from the experience, I'm creating that value gap. And so I'm now shopping in a in a mass premium store, but I'm getting you know, value products. And so that's a kind of, uh, 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 you know, it's, un, it's very difficult to quantify that value gap, but it absolutely exists. And yeah, I, walk I mean, into I that think you're, you're saying that you walk in, you feel good about the layout, the look, et cetera, et cetera. Now, Walmart did exactly what you're talking about. Uh, according to this Harvard Business Review uh, article, they took several stores and created what they thought was a more um, advanced uh, into, not I wouldn't say the future, but more with the times type of store, okay? They changed the lighting, they changed the, the, the distance between the aisles, how tall the shelves were, et cetera, to reflect the type of, of experience that you're talking about. And the good news is they only did it in several stores. Yep. Uh, the result was um, everybody raved about the experience. Yep, yep, yep. It didn't change one penny about how much they spent. Now, okay. Yeah. Now, now, so my, my, so I get it. I said, well, that's pretty smart thinking because they invested millions and millions and that would have been, uh, but, I think what they took from that is this is what our customers value most, but then they went ahead and they still made some changes because they mm -hmm. felt they needed to change to keep up, not yeah, just, yeah, yeah. you know, give them well, a 1950s look. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, it's interesting. And I think um, you mentioned this earlier that, that our expectations of value, our expectations aren't set necessarily by our competitors, but they're set by everything that happens in yeah. the world, right? Mm -hmm. You know, McDonald's, I mean, like the McDonald's I go into now doesn't look anything like the McDonald's I went into. It's got plants and wood and right. you know what? The seats, the seats aren't attached to the tables anymore, right? It's a proper, almost a restaurant now in many, in many ways. <laughs> and so you, your, where your uh, minimum baseline expectations are is advanced um, by the way society in general, yes. right? The community yes. that I live in, right? And the fact that, you know, I mean, Starbucks is a great example, right? That almost sets a kind of baseline level that the types of stores and, and experiences I need to go into, they need to be rich. They need to have kind of uh, good lighting and, um, you know, good seating and all those things. And so if you don't meet um, not just the expectations uh, of the, the customer, but the expectations of the community, of the society we live in, right? Um, you might get left behind, right? And you say that uh, Walmart didn't make any um, extra commercial revenue out of that experience, right? But I think what may not have been um, looked at was how often those customers came back, right? There's other ways to, to understand the value yeah. that you put in, not just a commercial entity of price. Like I'm not going to Walgreens because actually Walmart is a nicer place to be. Um, and so it helps you differentiate yourself because your other discount um, or value-driven um, brands and retailers aren't doing a nice place to, to be, right? And so- Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. You've got to keep up with some basics and, and you have to, you do have to change, which is why 
you know, this article in Walmart said, yeah, we made changes. We just didn't do the sweeping modifications that we thought might might be of interest to our customers because really, but, but I get what you're saying. There's a point in time where a competitor comes in and, and the first Starbucks, uh, everybody else had a place you went in and bought coffee. You didn't sit down, have a meeting, you know, bring your computer, use it as your second office. That was not part of the original coffee shop plan. What, what, what Starbucks did is they elevated this experience and they changed the baseline as a result. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And across all experiences, right? So that coffee shop now in Walmart needs to ladder up to that expectation, right? And so- so, Yeah, perfect. The other day I was talking to a a client and actually this is what they they said. I I had this slide up uh, that I was showing them that I was going to use in my presentation. And it had a number of different brand logos, one of which was Chick-fil-A. I don't know if you have Chick-fil-A over there where you are, but it sounds it, fantastic, but no, it, here in the U S it is the number one fast, casual, fast food restaurant. Okay. They are so obsessed with service, quality of product, et cetera, et cetera. It's a great experience. And this is what my client said. They use Chick-fil-A as a verb. They said, this is what we talk about in our, in our company, uh, that we want to Chick-fil-A our customers. This is a B2B business. Okay, but they want to give them that feeling of appreciation of people who care of smart people who understand and know their product, you know, that type of thing. So I know we're running out of time here. I'm looking at the clock going, oh, my gosh, we could keep going and going and going. So I'm going to ask you my final question. And and by the way, unless you want to make a comment and then I'll ask you any any thought on what I just said. Um, no, I think I think when uh, certain experiences become ubiquitous and we ladder up to them and use them to kind of gauge the rest of our our lives and our experiences, an amazing thing. And Chick, uh, the the company Chick Fil A, Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A. Um, obviously has a good thing coming, and and I can't wait to to visit myself. To be fair, so um, right, you've got to get here to the U.S. <laughs> to visit a Chick Fil A. I mean, they really do it right. Plus, they're a very values based company. Some people don't agree with their values. They are never open on Sunday. And let me tell you, sometimes when I'm in an airport and I see a closed Chick-fil-A, I go, oh, it's Sunday. I want my (laughs) Chick-fil-A. But it's amazing, though, that sometimes and this is the sort of value factors that, that I mentioned, there are certain aspects of value that aren't price and quality right. and virtues and how you treat your staff yep. actually are are an aspect of value that's rising up. Like we've yep. seen this this out of the out of the pandemic. Right. I know what Patagonia, you stand for. It's what you stand for. And, you know, in a place where, um, um, you know, the world is becoming very uh, similar, ubiquitous, it's a it's a it's a it's a drive to the bottom price and and product, you know, they're all kind of the same, everyone offers the same sort of thing, you know, what differentiates brands. And when you get into things like customer service or even virtues and values, right? And so how you can use your store to bring virtues and values to life, right? To build credibility, to reinforce the the marketing campaigns um, and actually get people involved in those things is an aspect of value that we're, that is going to explode, you know, you know, Shep, this is where, where retail is going. And I think it's a really provocative place where, you know, brands are engaging um, um, consumers on a different level than just purchasing, purchasing products, right. Um, Really engaging them in the brand ethos. Um, And we'll see what value that brings um, um, to them. Yeah. 
Good point. Good point. All right. Final question. I ask it of every guest. Is there a nugget of information that you've been holding back or just something extra that you'd like to share with us as we start to wrap up today? Okay. That's, do I get a drum roll or anything? Or is well, just, yeah. Ready? Here we go. Just, <laughs> okay. Hope I, can, I hope I can deliver. Um, so, I mean, for us, this, this feeling of the value gap um, is so intrinsic to meaningful customer engagement, right? It's about building relationships, you know, delight. If you can delight your customers and they return, you get the opportunity to sort of build a relationship. You build trust and you build loyalty, right? That is how we maintain lifelong engagement with our with our customers. And so think about your experiences, right? How can I design this value gap into them, right? And if you actually start to unpack your customer journeys, you're going to find a lot of opportunities to, to add value and not just meet your customers' expectations, but exceed them, right? And it just takes a little bit of, of thinking, right? Design thinking plus design making, right? You unpack it and then you build it back up again in the right way, right? And if you take that methodology and you apply it across your whole business, you're bound to find plenty of opportunities to create this value gap. And I yeah. do believe it's kind of, it's one of the keys, right? It's one of the keys to loyalty, trust, meaningful connections and engagement with your consumers. And so- Well said, we just, well said. It make it reminds me of, it, it, it's actually a perfect setup. If, if I were to go in and say, before I ask you this question, listen to this last thing that Ian just said in my show. I would set it up like that. And then I would say, so why would a customer want to do business with you after you just heard that? That way it gets away from saying, oh, because we have great service, because that's what everybody says. What's your true value prop that you give that might differentiate you from someone else? And if you don't have one, recognize that your customers are going to say, I can go there or there. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And, and Shep, to add to that. It's got to be beyond price. It's got to be beyond product range and quality, right? You got to yep. think beyond those simple uh, ones that are that we've been using for years to to kind of define what value is. Um, think beyond price and quality and range of products, right? Um, because there's really a lot of things that people or customers are looking for, right? Yep. They're really searching and seeking for better value, more value. And so go and find them and define them for you. Yep. And those are great suggestions, great ideas, great thoughts from Ian Johnston, founder and creative director of Quinnin. We are going to be back next week with another amazing interview. So thank you, Ian, for being our guest. Real, real pleasure. please, thank everyone, you. come back because, you know, this is what we do on Amazing Business Radio. We bring in the very best, the brightest minds, and we talk about what it takes to create amazement. So until next week, remember... Always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.